Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Summit League Shootaround. The South Dakota Coyotes. We start things off down there in Vermilion with the voice of the Coyotes, John Thayer. Nice enough to give us some time on the Epic Companies Hotline. John, appreciate this with you. Uh, Good to open up the Summit League shooter on with the Coyotes, a team that I thought had a lot of expectations coming into this season with a loaded backcourt, plenty of talent there, and uh, A.J. Plitzewite back from injury, just one of the guys back there in that backcourt. How has the non-conference season gone for the Coyotes so far? Well, it's been a bit of a roller coaster and kind of expected. You know, a lot of people had high expectations for South Dakota because they returned guys like Tassos Camateros and Cruz Pearl Hunt and, and guys like that. And then, and then you throw into the mix uh, Paul Brunt transferred from North Dakota and you throw in A.J. Flitzelwhite. Uh, but we have to temper expectations a little bit. A.J. Flitzelwhite playing his first game in 19 months, so, which is a long time. You know, it's going to take him to, some time to get into the flow of it. Paul Brunt uh, and some of the other new guys getting into the mix as well. Um, you know, it just takes a little time. So uh, they've had a little bit of ups and downs and, and obviously some challenging games with Wisconsin and Mississippi State who are really good. And then playing one of the better mid-major teams in the country in Sam Houston uh, in a game that got away from them after A.J. left with with an injury nine minutes into that game. Um, you know, then they go to Coastal Carolina and they let one slip away at the end. They had a really good start to the second half, a 14 to one run, and uh, turned the ball over four times in the last minute and let that game slip away at Coastal Carolina. That was on the back end of a, a week long trip. Uh, but then uh, Saturday, playing in Salt Lake City at the home of the Utah Jazz against BYU and able to hold off BYU. The Cavs had a 21 point lead with uh, just a few minutes left in that game. and ended up holding out the last-second shot for BYU to win by one and, and now taking on Air Force this afternoon. So it, it's been up and down, but certainly a lot of growth with this team and, and kind of what we expected with, with a new head coach in Eric Peterson. I want to touch on A.J. Plitzelwhite first because well, I think he's a phenomenal player. When healthy, he was you know, that year he was one of the better players in the, the, the Summit League before that injury a couple of years back. I uh, saw against BYU 28 minutes, one of eight from the field, one of three from three-point range, only have five points there. Um, obviously, still kind of working back into things. Like you said, he got injured a little bit earlier this, this season as well. But uh, how has he been? How is the health there? And how is he kind of just fitting back into the rotation of things? Yeah, I think when he played against uh, Wisconsin in our first game of the year, he was a little bit timid. You know, that was his first game playing uh, in a really long time. And there were nerves. His family was there. His mom flew out from West Virginia, where she's now the head coach, um, and his dad and sister. And 
other people were there to see him play that first game, and I know it meant a lot to them. They went through a ton with that uh, significant injury that he suffered in his rehabilitation. Um, but then the second game, you know, against Lipscomb, he drops 33 points in his first home game since that injury, and he was injured on the home floor. Remember that? He comes back and uh, drops 33 in his next game on that floor, and helps South Dakota to the win over Lipscomb. And, and then you notice that, obviously, defenses are going to clamp down on him, right? Uh, Long Island had a double team on him quite a bit of the game. Sam Houston was locked in on him until he got injured, and then he didn't play against um, Coastal Carolina or, or Mount Marty in the non-D1 game that we had. Um, so he's kind of getting back into the flow of it a little bit, but uh, certainly – when, when A.J. is healthy and playing confident, he's, he's going to be one of the better players in the league. And I think we're going to see a little bit of ups and downs from him this year. Um, but he's drawn a lot of attention from the defense. And, and a big reason why that is is because after Cruz Farrell Hunt went 10 of 20 against Wisconsin, he went on a stretch where he was about 8 for 56 or 8 for 58, something in that neighborhood before he started hitting shots again. And so other guys are starting to get comfortable offensively and that's going to take some pressure off of uh, off of AJ and the attention he gets. We talk a lot about the guards with you guys, John. Again, John Thayer, USD with us. And clearly it's because you have a ton of them. Like Paul Brun's really good. Tassos Comateros, really good. Mason Archambault back. He can definitely fill it up as well. And Plitzwet, once he gets kind of his feet under him, is a really good guard too. I think the question mark, if there is a question mark with USD, it's it's the bigs. It's the size down low in a physical conference with a lot of good bigs. How do you guys hold up? Tassos Comateros is really good. And he's back as well as a 6'8 forward. But he's even a little undersized compared to some other guard or other big men in the conference. But he's physical enough to hold up to him where's the rest of that depth right now in terms of the the, the guys down below that four and five position yeah Damani Hayes is back which uh, he's not going to do a lot defensively he did have a game this year where he had 14 rebounds seven of which were offensive rebounds um, he's not going to light up the scoreboard but a bit physical pre- presence maybe undersized as far as height concerned but uh, he, he's a guy that's probably going to outwork about anybody on the floor uh, and, and he will dive after the loose balls and he just fills up the space in the inside and then here recently they've gotten a little more comfortable with Mihai Carcona the Romanian who's a transfer from the University of Toledo and he's had a couple of really good games and they have been able to mix him in they coach talks about how they simplified the game a little bit for Mihai and it allowed him to have a really good game. I think he had 13 and seven at Coastal Carolina, and and then uh, he hits uh, three three pointers against Mount Marty, and he's just continued to grow. And so that's a huge help uh, on the inside for for the bigs. So they know that that's an area where they're you know that's probably one of their weaker areas just as a whole when depth is concerned. But what USD tries to do because they know they can't afford Tassos to get into a lot of foul trouble is you'll see him double the post quite a bit. Uh, and they've done that a lot this season, and that helps just avoid the one-on-one where you're going to get yourself caught in a fouling situation. So uh, they're trying to, to work through that, and, and I think a lot of people are, are learning as we go here in the non-conference. Eric Peterson, first-year head coach in there. Obviously, he had, he had been there as an assistant before under Craig Smith, but a first-year head coach for him. He's one of, I believe, three different head coaches on the, the men's side, if I'm doing my quick math correctly. Uh, what's his stamp on the program been so far? What's the, the style of play he wants to be known for as the head coach of the, the Coyotes? Yeah, he's just brought a, a lot of energy, right? He wants to free up the offense. So uh, in, in the past few years, we ran a lot of, of sets. Uh, there was a set called on every time you get into the, the offensive side of the floor. 
he wants to free up the team a little bit and and uh, basically you know he's kind of had the um, had kind of a mindset of look if you don't understand what we're doing just ask and we'll go over it and we'll get it right you know and so he's really been good at getting these guys uh, kind of just the culture that he wants to build and and you're gonna see USD play not necessarily fast all the time but he calls it free and uh, it, it just these guys are just getting used to it because they're used to going down the floor, getting into a set every single time and trying to run a particular play. And, and uh, they might have multiple plays called now and just kind of see how the defense reacts. And so I think just his energy is, is really been huge for the program. And yeah, he brought in, you know, a veteran head coach in Pat Eberhardt, who had been a longtime assistant at Omaha before that coaching staff uh, was let go there. And, brings in a young coach in Brandon Ubell who played at Nebraska and then keeps Casey Kasperbauer on staff who played at USD and had a lot of success. And the fans really, uh, quite honestly, adore uh, Casey for what he did as a player, and, and they love seeing him back on the uh, on the staff. So it's been a good start for, for Coach Peterson, and, and obviously they feel like, you know, uh, at least one of those games kind of got away from them that they wish they could have back. But uh, I think he's... Uh, you know, he's smart. He understands that he can't build this program where it wants to go overnight, uh, and it's going to take time. And he always talks about, look, you don't cut down a big tree with just one swing of the axe. you just got to keep chopping away at that thing, and, and eventually we'll get there. And so it's patience, but it's patience with energy. And, and uh, I think the team is starting to feel that from him as we get here through towards the end of our non-conference schedule. Well, John, appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on with us. and looking forward to seeing how this USD team does when we get into conference play. Glad to do it. Uh, safe travels to you. Appreciate that. The Denver that. Pioneers. Thayer. There we go. John Thayer, nice enough to give us some time. And how about this? Denver Pioneers. If you had told me we'd be December 6th and talking about the top team in the Summit League, I probably wouldn't have told you that was going to be the Denver Pioneers, but that's exactly what it is. And their play-by-play voice, Tyler Mon, joins us here on the Summit League Shootaround. Sir, great to have you on. Just first off, how are you doing? Because this Denver team has been on some some down years over the last couple of years. Jeff Wolpern's done a great job turning that program around and turning it around quick. Eight and one's got to be a, a really fun feeling for the squad and for you. Oh man, Andy, it's been uh, it has been fantastic. It's been quite a change. If uh, if the Pioneers win their next one out, it will match the win total from the previous two seasons before Jeff Wolpern got here combined. Uh, it was nine wins over the. Uh, 1920 and 2021 seasons and uh, an eight and one start, which is the best in program history of the division one era. It's just been, uh, it's been amazing. And you know, the, the thing that's kind of crazy about it is Denver's definitely been fortunate so far. I mean, this is a team that I think knows that they're going to be in a lot of close games this season. They've just been able to execute late in close games with the exception really of one of them, which was uh, the Sacramento state game. They're only lost to this point in the season, but um some bounces go a different way, and, you know, you could be talking about a four and five team, but they've been able to, to lock in in the late moments in games and uh, and kind of press themselves over the line, and uh, it's been very, very fun to watch to this point to have a, uh, an eight and one start. Yeah, I don't care who you're beating. As long as you're beating some D1s in there, I don't care who you're beating. If you're eight and one, you're eight and one. That's a good good spot to be, clearly. What are you hearing from the fans around Denver, around the area. I know Denver is not always the, the first fiddle, so to speak, in that, that market with a lot of great programs. What are you hearing from fans in terms of kind of just building some hype around this program that hasn't had that huge following over the last couple of seasons? Yeah, that's been one of the really cool things to see uh, in recent weeks. You know, last time out was uh, was one of our biggest crowds 
uh, of the last few seasons. I mean, obviously, you know, the pandemic plays a role in addition to uh, to just not having a whole lot of great basketball here over the last several years. And so crowds have been down and uh, this Pioneers team has played in, in Hamilton Gymnasium over the last few years after moving um, from Magnus Arena, the, the larger arena. And, uh, you know, Hamilton is a much smaller venue, but man, is it a, a much louder and a much more energetic venue, especially when we get good crowds in there. And, uh, you know, last time out uh, against Texas A&M Commerce over the weekend, it was a really good crowd, a really loud crowd. And the fact that they came out, uh, you know, on a day in which the Broncos were playing, which Deion Sanders is being announced as the head football coach at Boulder, um, I think that really showed that people are starting to pay attention. And Denver's an interesting place for college athletics because so many people in Denver aren't from Denver. Uh, and the University of Denver is, you know, primarily a hockey school, of course, and basketball has never really moved the needle that much. And that's what Jeff Wolverine's pitched, not only to, to recruits trying to get guys in, but also to, you know, alumni and to, to donors and to people who can boost this program. Um, we're trying to do something here, he says, for the coaching staff. It's never been done. You know, this DU team has never made an NCAA tournament. They've never won a conference title at the D1 level. So they're kind of trying to change the game and, and flip the script uh, of what this program has been. And right now, like, I think you're starting to see the seeds of what that can bring with, with people turning out um, with a lot more local coverage and local attention. Uh, and that's been really fun to see. I mean, fans have been starved for it, and the reaction has been Honestly, a little bit quicker than I expected. I kind of anticipated that people would wait until we got into conference play before really seeing, like, yeah, I think I might take in a Pioneers game, see what this team is all about. But, you know, nine games in, people are, are really starting to come out and um, seem to be very enthusiastic about where we are. And you should be. I mean, 8-1, you should absolutely be enthusiastic, and I think it's going to build up some great following around that community. Uh, Tevin Smith, been great. Tommy Bruner, been great for you as well. I know Tevin missed a couple of games in there. Uh, Tyree Corbett, another great player. How, just how is, has Wolburn gone about just turning this roster over in the era of the transfer portal? I know it's maybe easier than it has been in past years to do that, but he's turned it over with the right guys and gotten some good players in there. How has it been done so quickly? That has been maybe the most impressive thing to me is that uh, you know, when, when Coach Wolverine came in here, he talked about how we're in an era now where essentially a lot of college programs will play year to year, almost like professional franchises with entirely different rosters. And that's not necessarily the type of group that he wanted to coach. And so he's put a big emphasis on bringing in, you know, freshman recruiting classes that really can add a lot um, in building the culture. And the transfers have to be the right types of fits. And I think that's the thing that he's probably done best so far is ensuring that the guys that he's brought in from other programs are going to be good complementary additions to this program. And, uh, you know, this year, I think the three that probably stand out more than anybody uh, who, who you mentioned, Tyree Corbett, um, Tommy Bruner, and Lucas Kasunas is a, a big man who transferred from Stanford. Uh, Coach Wolverine actually recruited him to Stanford at the start of his college career. Uh, he came over as a grad transfer after being a, kind of a reserve big for Stanford over the course of his four years there. And those three guys have been outstanding. I mean, Lucas is just a, a steady, fundamentally sound big and a guy who Denver's really been lacking um, over the last several years to compete in, in the Summit League. Um, you know, last year, Mikey Penn was a, a really good big. Um, Toko Tynamo, a, a freshman last year, was really good. He's continued to develop this year. But Lucas just adds that veteran presence that's been in really big moments before playing in the Pac-12 and, uh, you know, being part of big-time atmospheres and big-time games. Um, Tyree Corbett is as good of an athlete, I think, as we have seen here since a day murky a few years ago. And a day has, you know, made it his NBA debut and, uh, and has been 
making waves professionally. Um, Tyree Corbett's athleticism is insane. He can jump out of the gym. He's only six foot seven, but he's got about a. So he's already got four double doubles this season because his rebounding aptitude is crazy. And he's also a high energy guy, and he's a high energy guy that comes with a lot of confidence that I think most people would say borders on it doesn't go over the border of cockiness. And that's something that the Denver team has not had, you know, really since I've been here. And I started this uh, this radio gig six years ago. And to have somebody who ha- kind of has that attitude and can bring that fight for this team is huge. Uh, and Tommy Bruner, as the, the guy who's running the show, Tommy is one of the most quietly confident guys that I've been around so far. And he's the type of guy who, you know, you'll see him at halftime and he's got six points and a rebound and two assists. And then by the end of the game, He's got 18 or 20 with seven assists. And, um, you know, he's just a guy who is lethal, especially in late-game situations. Uh, he hit a buzzer-beating three to beat Idaho State. Last couple of games, he's hit some monster free throws down the stretch uh, to clinch wins. So those guys have been huge. And then the continued development of the sophomore class, you know, with Toko Tynamo having been so good. Kevin Smith is going to get him back in the next few weeks. Uh, they'll be without Coven Porter this season, unfortunately. He tore his ACL before the year. Um, but – those guys, Justin Mullins, who's come in as a freshman and has been outstanding so far. He had 27 in a game last week in New Orleans. Um, they've just been – everybody has meshed very well together. They're a really cerebral group. They're a, a group of guys who really get along well. They really like each other. Um, and that shows on the floor. I mean, they've just had such success sticking together. And that's kind of what this coaching staff has highlighted as being one of the, the big reasons behind this hot start. Yeah, it was too bad to hear that about Coben Porter when we, when we heard that a little while ago because – I thought he was a really good player last year, and I thought he was going to be a, a huge piece of this puzzle. Imagine where this you know, Denver team could be uh, with him in that, that lineup as well. They're already doing great without him. If you want to be negative, if you, if you want to be the contrarian in this thing, Tyler, and I hate people that are like that, but I'll do it anyways. It's 8-1, and one, but you haven't faced a, a, you know, a, a high major yet. You haven't gone and, and faced you know, a ton of great teams on the road and done stuff like that. You face a lot of good D1 teams in there, but uh, there's probably people out there you know, kind of rolling their eyes and saying, okay, that's the other do when you get into conference play and, and doing that whole thing. What would you say to those fans? Uh, and then also, I know you do have UCLA coming up here. How do you, you beat the Bruins and, then, and really shock the world a little bit? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, that's kind of the, the one knock. I mean, I know there was some – some national attention of uh, some journalists who were, you know, talking about Jeff Wolverine's start and this team's eight and one and blah, blah, blah. And all the replies were, yeah, but look at who they played. Um, you know, I think it's, it's somewhat twofold for the December team. One, I think these guys have to learn how to win. This is a program that has not had a lot of winning uh, in recent years and really over the last decade. Um, you got to be able to schedule in an advantageous manner. And that's what good programs do. Um, there's, uh, I think, something to be said for the fact that they have not necessarily gone above and beyond to beat a team that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to beat. Um, but they've also won seven straight away from home dating back to last season. Winning on the road is not easy against anything. Uh, they've played a lot of big sky schools so far. You know, they'll play uh, Sacramento State tomorrow night for the second time this season, kind of a, a rare home-and-home and home non-conference play. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, the first real big test is UCLA uh, on Saturday. And that one's going to be interesting. It's, uh, you know – I don't know that there are many people out there counting on uh, the Pioneers to give UCLA a run, but you've got a coach and a big man, Lucas Kasunas, who beat UCLA three times when they were at Stanford together over Lucas's four years. So you've got some guys who have been in those moments, who've played in Poly Pavilion, who kind of can communicate to this team what to expect, how to attack uh, that moment. And, you know, this is 
not going to be an easy task, but I think if you go into that game at eight and two or nine and one, the confidence level that's there uh, for the Denver squad is, is something that we haven't seen uh, over, you know, certainly since my time here going into a matchup like that. Um, you know, if they are going to compete and hang in and beat a UCLA team um, on Saturday that, you know, was a preseason top 10, I think everything has got to go right, but um, that's not out of the realm of possibility for this team. They, uh, over the last few games, I think the one complaint that this coaching staff has had is, you know, we've seen 32, 35, 36 minutes of, of high energy and really good effort. Um, and then a few minutes where things have lapsed and teams have been able to get on runs. You can't do that against UCLA. Um, and Denver's also going to need to continue the progression of its three-point game. The, the Pioneers right now are third in the country in team field goal percentage, but they haven't shot a ton of threes this year. Now, the last two games, they've combined to make 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, their previous four combined, they made 18. So there are things that are coming along um, with that group, but uh, you know everything's got to go right on Saturday, and um, it's uh, it's certainly going to be fun. I mean, the, the thing is, you know, in, in recent years, we've gone into games at UCLA or at Gonzaga or at wherever, and you just kind of brace yourself for how rough it's going to be. And some around, it's you know, it's not necessarily going to be the case. And a week and a half after that, they're at Oregon State in Corvallis, so you get two Power Five matchups to wrap up non-conference play. Um, these are going to be two really interesting weeks to kind of gauge the barometer of where this team is uh, going into the summer league. Tyler, thank you, man. Appreciate it as always. It's been a great start, and looking forward to catching up with you again as we get into conference season. Absolutely. Thanks, Eddie. I'll uh, see you guys soon. Best of luck.